שלום עליכם, שבוע טוב, כולכם ברוכים תהיו, all of you listeners of this great station, a station of דברי מוסר, דברי הלכה, דברי תורה, דברי התעוררות, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Albaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Shemot. Let me start by the following. I'm sure every one of you, at one time or another, you went to a wedding. At the wedding, one of the most uh, emotional times is when the groom is marrying the bride. And he pronounces the magical words, you are sanctified to me with this ring, according to the law of Moshe and Israel. Now, why is it that we are mentioning here Moshe Rabbeinu? I mean, after all, uh, when you when you put on tefillin, that's also a mezvah, tefillin, you don't say Kedat Moshe and uh, when you sit in the sukkah, you don't say the barakha, leshev basukkah, kedat Moshe v'Yisrael. Don't say that. What is the significance of us mentioning at this time of wedding, of marriage, this, this is the most important time now we're talking about, that we're mentioning Moshe Rabbeinu Alav well, I think we can understand that perhaps by looking at two incidents in the parasha we read yesterday. And let's tackle each one by itself. The first passage talks about Shiabud uh, Misraim, how Paroi uh, Mashimo gets his people uh, and, and he says, Havani Takemalu. Let us deal with them wisely. No, he wants to use chokmah on how to deal with these people. And he says, well, okay, uh, if, if they would uh, kill him with a sword, then Hashem will come back with a sword. So he makes like an analysis in his mind. If he kills them with fire, Hashem will come with fire. However, if somehow it kills them by drowning, oh, that Hashem cannot get back because Hashem always, of course, uh, uh, he always punishes people, midah, can they get midah, measure for measure? Why not if it's water? Because Hashem already swore to Noah that once he brought the mabul on the world, it's not going to happen again. But what he did not, he did not realize was Hashem told Noah he's not going to bring the Mabul in the entire world, but he can bring the Mabul on parts of the world, on a, on a city, for example, or perhaps a country. Or it did not, the, 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 the uh, whatever Hashem promised Noah did not include taking people and drowning them in the sea. That did not include that. So although he tried to be to deal wisely, he was not smart enough. So he figured he's going to drown him. And he didn't go straight overnight and said, okay, today you are Egyptian citizens, tomorrow you're slaves. It didn't go that way. 
After all, Egypt was a powerful nation at the time, supposedly a civilized nation. So he tried to do that in stages. So the first thing is, Vayasimu alav saremisim. Pharaoh put in what they call offices in order to collect what? Not monetary tax, but labor tax. At the beginning, he said, you know what? You know, you want to show your patriotism to, uh, to Egypt, your, your loyal and faithful citizens. You know, come, come back one, once a week, for example. One day a week, give as, as, a, as a tax to the, uh, uh, to, to the land, to your fatherland. And that's how it started. But of course, from there it becomes seven days, and then from there it becomes work, and then from there it becomes and of course, at the end, when he told uh, his people to take the Jewish children and throw them into the Nile. Now, as part of this whole thing, we are witnessing the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu Alav Shalom. And here, who found the the uh, uh, the, the box where Moshe Rabbeinu was as a baby? It was Batya, the daughter of Paro. And she wanted to raise that uh, the the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu in the palace. So actually, Moshe Rabbeinu was, was a prince living in the luxury of the palace. He had everything. Anything that a person can wish for in a materialistic world. He had power, wealth, clout. He could do whatever he wants as, as a prince. But that's not what uh, really concerned him most. Vayigdal Moshe, it says the Torah, as soon as he became uh, older, he saw the burden, the oppression of the Hebrews at the time. What does that mean, he saw? It doesn't just mean he saw and that's it. He felt it. He felt the pain himself. And he tried to do as much as he could to help. According to the Midrash, if he saw someone that uh, needed to drink, he'll go bring him a drink. If he saw someone trying very hard to carry a, a heavy stone but couldn't, he would go and help him out. When he saw someone, an Egyptian hitting, uh, uh, beating up a, a Hebrew, he went to, his, to, to the help of the Hebrew and actually with Shem Amiforash, he killed the Egyptian. But you see, Rabbutai, there's a tremendous midah that we learn here from Moshe Rabbeinu. And it is the midah of giving yourself over to help the others. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted always just to help others. He couldn't possibly just sit put and see something that was not right and ignore it. That wasn't him. Always help. 
Actually, we see this itself from the name Moshe. Actually, when Batya pulled him out of the water and she said, okay, Batikrai Shemo Moshe. She called his name Moshe. Why? Kimin Hamayim Mishitiu. I pulled him out of the water. But if you pull him out of the water, then really the correct word is not Moshe. Moshe means to pull out. Moshe Rabbeinu was not, he didn't pull anything. He was pulled. If he was pulled, it should be Mashui. Something like that was pulled. But no, she called him Moshe. Why? For the future. Because just like she pulled Moshe Rabbeinu out of water and out of danger, Moshe Rabbeinu in the future will be pulling other people out of danger, be helping others. This virtue of helping the others is very important. In a marriage, each spouse has to do his best to help the other. Give over to the other. In a marriage, the more you give, much more you will get. You don't have to worry about getting. Just give. Eventually you will get. That's one midah. Secondly, when Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, a shepherd and somehow over there somewhere in, uh, in Har Chorev, Har Chorev is Har Sinai, and all of a sudden he sees a burning bush and the bush doesn't burn. Moshe Rabbeinu Alava Shalom was a practical person. And what do you mean? That can't be. The teva, the nature of fire is to consume things. Whether it's wood, or whether it's oil, or whether it's gasoline, or neft, whatever. The nature of fire is to consume. This one does not consume. This is beyond the teva. So he approached. He approached Hashem. And Hashem tried to tell him that he wants him to be the one to bring, to take the, the Bnei Israel out of Egypt. I want, I want you to be the messenger to bring the, the Jews out of Egypt. And Moshe Rabbeinu did not take that lightly. He says, me, me, Anuchi, who am I? <laughs> well, he's telling me, I should go and, and <laughs> talk to, to the king of Egypt to get the, the Jews out? <laughs> I'm not worthy of it. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu was very anav. Then, okay, he tells him, don't worry, I'll help you. Then he said, what happened if they ask me your name? What is your name? Hashem told him, my name is what does that mean? It means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always looking at people the way they look at him. The way you behave towards me, I will behave towards you. This is the idea of Midah Keneged Midah in every way. If a person tries hard 
to get closer to Hashem, Hashem will also make sure that he'll get closer to him. On the other hand, God forbid, a person wants to stay away, and Hashem will stay away from him also. Fine, but that wasn't it. That's not enough. He said, Maybe they won't believe me. So, <laughs> okay. It tells him, okay, I'm going to show you two miracles, two otot, two wonders. One was the, the stake, your staff, throw it on the floor, becomes a snake. The other one, take your hand, put it in your bosom, take it out, full of tarat, full of leprosy. Okay? Puts it back in, comes out clean. So is that enough? No, that's not enough for Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, you know, I'm hard, you know, my mouth, I can't talk. I can't talk right. If you want someone to go speak to the king, to be a representative of the Jewish nation, you need someone who has a good, uh, 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 eloquent way of speaking. Me, I'm hard of speech. I'm the wrong person for that. So he's told him, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that either. I mean, after all, who created the mouth and the tongue for the person? I'll help you. Don't worry about it. Finally, Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, forget it. It's not me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the type. Get someone else. Then it says immediately after that, he says that when you go there, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Aharon Ahicha will come and he'll be very happy to see you. What does Rashi says? And what does Rashi say over here? He says, Moshe Rabbeinu really, what he had in mind is not to disrespect in any way or take any from the respect of his older brother. Moshe Rabbeinu left Egypt when he was 20 years old. He came back when he was 80. 60 years he was away. What was going on during those 60 years? Aaron Cohen, his brother, the older brother, he was the one that was leading. So if Moshe Rabbeinu would go and be the leader now after his older brother for 60 years, that is not right. That's what's bothering me. That's, that's what was bothering him. Disrespect for the older brother. And Hashem is saying to him, don't worry. Aharon will be very happy to see you. And that's when he finally accepted. Here's another midah. Respect. Respect for the other. The two things we mentioned about Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the second one. First one, always give to the other. This is why, perhaps this is why we mentioned during the wedding, when the groom gives the ring, he says, Kedat Moshe. Perhaps here, after all, this couple is building a new home now. We want this home to be successful, to be happy. So we're saying two things. Remember, two virtues, two midot tovot of Moshe Rabbeinu, 
That is what's going to help you build a successful uh, marriage. One of them, remember, always give to the other. The other one, be respectful to the other. That's very important. Now, respect, by the way, is not just between husband and wife. Could be between one person and his friend, a person and his neighbor, a person and 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 his a member of the synagogue, or someone that's w- working with him. Respect is important. When you respect someone, you get respect back. And this is also goes even on a national basis. A nation should respect another nation. That's the only way you can get respect back. It's unfortunate that this is not happening, especially in Eretz Israel. There's no respect. Eretz Israel tries to respect the others, but they don't get the respect back. You know, when you talk about uh, the, um, the Palestinians, they're saying, this is our land. You're occupying our land. We want our land back. I want you to know one thing. This is the biggest fallacy, the biggest lie that ever existed. There was never in the history of mankind a state that was called an independent Palestinian state. Palestinians never owned the land, never ruled the land of Israel, never controlled it. They were just plain Arabs living there. Never has it been a Palestinian entity that were living in an independent state. Now, don't confuse Palestinian with the the ancient Philistine, the the Philistine. That was something completely different. It's Palestinian. If you look into the history a little quickly, we the Jews, we governed the land of Israel since Yeshua. Yeshua conquered the land, then it was the, judge, the judges, then the kings. You're talking about a span of almost a thousand years. Then the Babylonians came and took over. Okay. They, they, then then uh, the Greeks took over. And then the Hashmonaim took over. But the Hashmonaim, that was us. Again, we were there for about 200 years. We were independent. Then the Romans came in. And then the Byzantine Empire, the Crusaders, the Turks, the British, and finally us. But never was there an independent Palestinian state. When they're saying, give us back our land, they never had that land in the first place. We just, out of respect, giving them. Israel uh, has like a some kind of a makeshift hospital in the north of Golan when some Syrian, the enemy, they come in wounded, they take him in and treat them. Imagine if it was the other way around. A Jewish wounded that goes into Syrian territory. What's going to happen to him? They'll shoot him on the spot. This is why 
our Torah, our leaders, teach us the right way to live. And this is why I am proud that we have a country like Israel that respects human, basic human, human things, basic ones. Now, the other thing I want to mention is that a little bit later on, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, when, when Hashem, uh, by the burning bush, tells him, Remove your shoes, because it's Makom Kadosh. It's a holy place now. The Shekhinah is there, it's holy. What's the idea behind removing the shoes because it's holy? Perhaps he should remove his uh, jacket or, uh, or, 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 or his hat or something. Why the shoes? Actually, uh, we, we know for a fact, for example, that the Kohanim and the Bet HaMikdash did not walk around with shoes either. Bet HaMikdash was a Shekhinah. Shekhinah, Makom Kadosh. Therefore, you don't wear shoes. What's the significance of that? Well, it turns out that you look in the, in the Gemara, I think the Shulchan Aruch also brings it. Uh, we don't do that nowadays. But the Gemara says when uh, we recite the Berachot uh, Shahar early in the morning, and it says like this, when you hear the sound of a rooster, he said, the rooster always uh, starts uh, 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 crying, whatever, or screaming at a certain time at the, uh, the day, in the, right early in the morning. And of course, nowadays we don't have that, but in the olden days, almost everybody had, uh, had roosters and hens and so on, and you hear it all the time. So he said, when you hear that, we should say, Baruch Hashem Natana Sechvibina, Lephem Binom Bena. Blessed be Akadosh Baruch Hu that gave at least some kind of understanding for this uh, rooster to know, hey, now it's done. There's a difference between the two. And he says, when a person opens his eyes early in the morning, when he gets up, opens his eyes, he say the Barakha, Baruch When he puts on his clothing, he says, Baruch Malbish Arumim. When he gets up, Baruch Zokev Kevufim. When he uh, takes steps, Baruch HaMechim is Adigave, and so on and so forth. Of course, like I said before, today we say everything in one shot. But it says the following. When he puts on his shoes, he should say, Baruch She'asali Kol Sorki. When he puts on the shoes, we say, Blessed Hashem, he gave me everything that I need. Why? Why the shoes? Why not everything else? What about what what puts on his suit? No, only the shoes. The Gaon Mivina says the following. I think it's very interesting. He says, in the world, there are four things, four categories of things. It, in Hebrew, it comes out like this: Domem, Someah, Hai, Medaber. Domem is those categories of substances that don't move, like uh, stones, uh, the earth, things that just plain sits there all the time, never moves, has, has no hayut, no life whatsoever, and they don't move. The next level is its someah. 
vegetation. Vegetation, all kinds of, everything that grows from the earth. Talking about grass or fruits or vegetables, everything that grows, trees. These have life, but they don't move, but they have life. The next one over is the animal. The animal has life and moves, but he doesn't have sechel, he cannot talk. Then the next higher thing is medaber. Medaber is the human being. He can talk, he's alive and he can talk, he can move, he has all the ma'alot. But if you notice, each one of these categories controls the one below it and feeds from it. The, gra the grass, I mean, grows from the earth. So it takes, it takes from the earth. The animals take from the grass. That's how they feed from it. They control the grass. They can do whatever they want with the grass. And the human being controls the animal. The human being has shlita over all the other things beneath him. So therefore, when we put on leather shoes, which comes from the animal, now we're saying, ah, we control everything. The shoes is leather. The Gaomi Vina said, once you put that on, it means that we're controlling everything. The animals, the below it, the, the, the vegetation, the earth, everything. We have control over everything. But when you are in Makom Kadosh, where the Shekhinah is, there's no such thing as control. We are nothing. In front of a Kadosh Baruch Hu. You can't possibly show those shoes that are symbolic of control. We don't control nothing. Hashem controls us. In front of Hashem, we are nothing. That's why. And that's why the Kohanim, in front of the Shekhinah and the Beit HaMikdash, they will not put on their shoes. That is the reason. So, Rabotai, the lesson we learn from here, Rabotai, is one, the virtues of Moshe Rabbeinu, and that is try to always help the other, especially in a marriage. Try respect, give respect to everyone, and show that in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we are only his subjects. We pray to him. We beseech him. We plead to him so that he should help us. But he is the ultimate power, the ultimate ruler of the entire world. Please remember this beautiful station that you must help. Your contributions are really uh, very important to the existence of this, uh, of this uh, station. And we hope that uh, you will listen and actually uh, send your contributions swiftly. Also, for those who haven't heard yet, but we just renovated our social hall. We have a beautiful ballroom now. We have, we've taken quite a bit of reservations. Uh, uh, you can, if you want a, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or a brit milah, whatever, uh, the place is big enough for at least 400 people. So when you have a simha, please contact us. Uh, you'll be very happy. Shalom Aleichem, Shabbat Tov.